Hey guys, thank you so much for tuning into this podcast. I want to invite you to stay updated with me on social media and see what we are doing in the ministry. You can follow me on Facebook at John Wallace. You can follow me on Instagram at Jonathan R. Wallace. And you can follow our YouTube page at New Beginnings Huntington. I pray this message builds your faith and gives you revelation. Let's get ready for the Word of God. You know, I felt in my spirit, if you will, as James was saying that, I I think that is from the Lord, Romans chapter 12. Thank you, Lord. Give me... Hallelujah. Thank you so much, Hannah. You're good. Let me show you this as well. Go ahead and kill that pad loop for me, please. Thank you. I have another verse that just kind of popped up in my spirit. This is Acts chapter 2, 42 through 47. And it says this. It says... All the believers devoted themselves. Say all. All. Man, think about that. All. You know, if you actually look back up in verse 41, it says, those who believed what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day about 3,000 in all. 3,000 people. And then it says, all the believers devoted themselves. All. That means every single one of them. All 3,000 plus of these people gave themselves. That word devoted, if you were here Monday night, we, we kind of had a service, unplanned service. We, we do, if you don't know this, we do core meetings with our kids on Monday nights, just kind of deeper discipleship. We've had people come in and they get offended because we've had kids like working in children's church and working and, and they're like, that's just so crazy that you have t- teenagers that, it, that they're having to miss service to do that. Well, you know, people, people just speak out their butt sometimes because they really don't know what they're talking about. Come in offended about something like that, that your kids are missing service and then they leave and don't come back to the church. But little did they know, we actually have a Monday night service set aside for all of them that are serving where it's just one-on-one, in-depth kind of impartation and pouring into their lives. And so, uh, you know, so let me just say this as well. This is just a little nugget. Don't pass judgment about things that you don't know what you're talking about. Amen? Amen. That'll just help you in life. Don't be so quick to pass judgment and think that you're the judge police that walks around and discerns everybody and what they're doing. Just don't do that. Stick with, stick with your thing. Stick with the thing God's given you and let other people stick with the thing that God's given them. Give yourself over to your own work and stay focused on the thing the Lord's given you and stop walking around negative like that all the time. Amen? So all the believers, all 3,000 devoted themselves. That word devoted, we talked about it that, this last Monday night, but it literally means they gave themselves to this continually and constantly and completely. Y'all, I have a word that burns in my spirit that 
a few weeks ago, the evangelist was here. He released that I just haven't been able to get away from. But he said, when we start doing Book of Acts things, we get Book of Acts results. And I'm not, I don't know about you, but I am so tired of the watered-down religion that we have today. I don't want it. I don't want nothing to do with it. And if I'm the only one, and I've always been this way, I want this type of faith. I want this type of church. I want to build this type of thing. And I believe that's why the Lord has placed me on the earth. I have a fire, a, a burning desire on the inside of me. In fact, you know, when I was a young man, the Lord told me, and if any of you guys, I don't know, I don't know if this is really correct, but this is what I heard. So I just got to tell you what I heard. The Lord told me, you're the liver, right? Everybody has a body. In the body, there's many parts. In the body, there's many organs. And the different organs have different functions. And he told me, you're the liver. And I said, I'm the liver? The heck is that supposed to mean? Lord, that's weird, you know, being the liver. And he said, yeah, you're supposed to filter out all of the toxins and the poisons that come into my body. That's what the, Lord, that's what the liver does, right? Okay, I thought so. See, I didn't even know that at the time. And the Lord told me that. And then I had to actually go kind of look it up and was like, is that what the liver does? I don't even know what the liver does. Why do people eat that then? If it filters out all the toxins, isn't it bad to eat? Wouldn't it be nasty? Yeah, anyway, so... It burns away the extra fat. Hallelujah. So the Lord told me that. And I've had that desire. I look at the book of Acts. I look at the ministry of Jesus. And that's what I press for. I've been pressing into the Lord saying, Lord, I want everything in my life to strip away. I don't, I don't want to be an American pastor. I don't want to be a seeker-sensitive American pastor. I don't want to be an American Christian. I want to be a person that you could teleport me back in time 2,000 years and I could get right in the flow of the Holy Ghost and walk with those believers that walked with Jesus, that, that operated in the early church. I told the Lord, I said, I want a Christianity which I just almost, I love that ter term, but I almost hate it at the same time because of what people think that it is when you say that. It just, to people, Christianity, it's just a religion. It's so weak. No, I want a faith, I should say, that works everywhere. I don't want a, just a faith that we could go into the United States with complacent people and build these little structures and organizations that get people to come in from this, their little suburban homes and come to church once a week and give a tithe check. I want a faith that would work in Pakistan. Or a faith that would work in Asia. In the persecuted church. Or in Africa. Or in South America. I said, Lord, I don't want to be an American Christian. That's what's in me. That's what's in me. Guys, American Christianity, it doesn't work. It doesn't work. Look around at the last two years. It doesn't work. The Lord's reforming it. The Lord's refining it. There's a fire that's coming to refine the impurities, to burn the impurities out of His church. Because also, I heard this said recently, I don't know who said it, but God's not a hypocrite. God does not tell us to not be unequally yoked and then unequally yoke Himself. Right. 
When Jesus Christ comes back, He's going to be united with a bride that is equally yoked with Him. Not with a weak and defeated, backslidden, burnout, bride of the world, prostitute. He's coming back to a bride that is equally yoked with Him. Because He's not a liar. He doesn't tell us to do things that He doesn't do. Hallelujah. All the believers devoted themselves, gave themselves continually. Say continually. continually. Every day, all the time. To the apostles' teaching. Say the apostles' teaching. The apostles teaching. Hallelujah. Think about the teaching of the Word. We'll continue to read, but let me just break this down as we're going through this. In Psalms chapter 1, Oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked or stand around with sinners or join in with mockers, but they delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it, how often? Day and night. You know, that wasn't just a cute verse to them. They actually gave themselves over to the Word day and night. Gave themselves. Say continually. Continually. Most people won't come to revival meetings because it's on a Monday night and that's not church day. That type of Christianity is from hell. It's not from God. It's not from the Holy Ghost. If that's in you, you better get it out of you because it's not from God. When, if that is in you when the Lord Jesus Christ returns, I'm going to tell you, if you go to heaven, praise the Lord, but that part of you, He will have nothing to do with. That part of you will be cons- completely consumed in fire. Amen. Day and night. Those that meditate on the law of the Lord day and night. Every day, twice a day. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know, this is how other churches function in other parts of the world. They don't just have church once a week. But in America, you know why we don't get together every day truly? is because we're, pastors, are just, we're just afraid that nobody would come. And can I be honest with you? The reality of it is, without a mighty move of the Holy Ghost, no one would come if we did that. Why? We're too busy. I had to work. Okay, were you working at night? No, I worked all day. Okay, what were you doing at night? I was tired. Well, why don't you wait on the Lord and He'll renew your strength? Because the Bible says in Isaiah 40 that you'll walk and not grow faint. You'll run and not grow weary. You'll soar high on wings like eagles. No, okay, okay, you're tired. Well, You know, if we were to go right now, hey, the Holy Ghost is moving. We're going into services every day of the week except for Saturday. We'll take a day off. If we were to do that, most people wouldn't come. Why? Well, I had to work. Okay. And then you came home and did what? Did you go straight to sleep at 4 o'clock in the afternoon? No. No, really, what did we do? You, You go home and you've built your life up where you think in order to function, you have to have three hours of TV. You have to sit on your couch for a couple hours. You have to scroll on Facebook for a few hours. You have to do all these things. Guys, can I just tell you, that's not Christianity. That's not the faith of this Word. 
None of that stuff. They, they gave themselves. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. And look what the Bible says. Here's, here's the key to life, really. Those that do this, those that give themselves over to the Word of God day and night, shall be like trees planted along the riverbank, bearing fruit in each season. Their leaves never wither, and they prosper in all that they do. Fruitfulness each season. You don't grow weary and grow old and grow tired, and you prosper. Say prosper. Why is the church sick all the time? Because we do, why is the church sick all the time? Because guys, we fill our lives with the things of this world. We fill our lives with junk. We fill our lives with everything other than what the New Testament church did. And then all of a sudden when a symptom comes on us, we think that we're going to have some powerhouse faith from heaven that's just going to kick the devil's butt. We were prophesying this this morning in, in communion service. That, you know, you could kick the devil out of your life. You could speak to a, a devil from hell that comes in with symptoms and you speak to that thing in Jesus' name and it has to leave. But for a lot of people, they just have open doors in their life. So you kick the devil out the front door and all he does is walk around the house and come right back in through the back door. Because of the things that we've built up in our lives, the things of this world, that's what we're going to get to in Romans chapter 12. They delighted in the law of the Lord. They gave themselves continually over to the apostles' teaching. Take, say to fellowship. And to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper. Say fellowship. We'll see if we get to it today, but last week I also began to preach from Hebrews chapter 12 that talks about this is how we run the race. This is how we live the life of faith. I'm paraphrasing. And then in verse 2, I'm sorry, verse 1 it says, strip off every weight that slows you down, especially the sin that so easily entangles you up. And run the race of endurance that has been set before you. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus. Go ahead while we're just flowing in that direction. Brother, put up, put that scripture up. It's Hebrews 1 through 2. I want it in the Amplified, not the Amplified Classic, just the Amplified. Hebrews 12, 1 through 2. And I have a word that I need to give to you. Look at this. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, by, who by faith have tested to the truth of God's absolute faithfulness. Guys, if you, if you understand, this wasn't written in chapters. You know what Hebrews chapter 11 is? The faith chapter. If you read through Hebrews chapter 11, right before chapter 12, it talks about how the greats, they overthrew kingdoms. They shut the mouths of lions. They quenched fiery arrows. They did all these amazing things that we read about through the Bible, and they did it all by faith. And now since we're surrounded by those people, the cloud of witnesses who by faith saw God do everything that He promised, 
It says, let us run our race of faith. Let us fight our fight of faith. Let us stand in our generation and back the devil down and win the battle that's been assigned to our generation. Let us run with endurance the thing that God has set before us. And then it gives us the key. How do we do this? How do we live the life of faith? It says stripping off every unnecessary weight. Say unnecessary weight. And the sin. Wow. So it makes a distinction. I want to tell you, most Christians today don't even get rid of the sin part. But I want to tell you, number one, you've got to get rid of the sin. What is sin? The sin is anything the Bible says is sin. If the Bible called it sin 2,000 years ago or 4,000 years ago when it was written, Old Testament, New Testament, it's still sin today. Guys, homosexuality is still sin today. If you're watching me on YouTube, I love you. Jesus loves you. He will forgive you and save you. And He's called you and purposed you. But don't ever listen to some devil, religious spirit, tell you that's not really a sin. And it doesn't really matter what you do. We all go to heaven somehow anyways. It all paths lead to the same place. That's a lie from hell. It's still a sin. If the Bible said it's a sin, it's a sin. Greed is a sin. Lying is a sin. Coveting is a sin. Stealing, sin. Not just homosexuality. Do you know sexual immorality is a sin? Well, even if well, I'm just a man and I'm a woman, but I'm, you know I'm having sex with a person that I'm not married to. It's a sin. It's not okay. I don't care what the TV shows of today say or the talk shows or the music that we listen to, which I don't even understand how the church accepts those things. I'm going to get to Romans 12 in just a moment. But guys, it's so hard. Think of the impression that you leave your children. Okay, let's go to the house of the Lord and once every five weeks if, if it's convenient for us. And then when we get in the car, we'll turn on the radio and, and listen to Katy Perry. We'll turn on the radio and listen to these things. How are we okay with those things being okay in our culture? There's just too many Christians afraid to rock the boat. Yeah, thank God, not in this house. But in reality, they're too afraid to rock the the boat. Hey, we're not watching movies like that. And in fact, I don't only want to watch movies like that. I don't, we don't need to be making movies like that. Uh, but you know what? I'm not going to strip away your freedom because your freedom gives me my freedom. But even if I didn't have my freedom, I would do it anyways. I'm still going to worship Jesus whether I'm allowed to or I'm not allowed to. It just makes it more convenient that I'm allowed to. That's all it does. It doesn't give me permission. I don't need permission to come in this house and worship. I don't know why Christians ever thought in a million years that we needed permission from somebody to come in here and to worship. You need, you need our permission to hold services. No, I don't need your permission to do anything. Don't ever listen to that. I listened to a prophet the, last night. I'm not going to say his name. A well-known prophet that said, don't forget, the Lord was the one that shut the church down. The Lord was the one that told us to stop gathering so that He could teach us how to gather the right way. That's what He said. 
You know, you don't take away. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Heaven and earth shall pass away. To that prophet, you will grow old and you will die. And when you're dead, the word shall remain and it shall still be the same. And he said, don't forsake assembling together in Hebrews 10.25. So, I don't know how we're okay with these things. The weight and the sin. So you have to get sin out of your life. You have to get weight. I want to define what weight is. I'll never forget the day the Lord showed me because as a Christian, we kind of just want to do the bare minimum. Well, okay, I'll, I'll get rid of what God calls sin. And then, you know, people get legalistic about things anyways. But then their life is full of every kind of weight. Which I want to be honest with you guys. Watching certain movies is, is sin. It is. If it grieves the Holy Ghost, it's sin. But he actually defines what weight is. He goes on to say, every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up, let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. A key word I want you to highlight in this text is the word endurance. Say endurance. That's longevity. That's not I follow Jesus for a week or I follow Him for a month or maybe I follow Him for one year but then I go through three years of, of in the wilderness and backsliding. And then I'll come back and kind of serve Him for a little bit. This is the key to following Jesus, being filled with the Holy Ghost and burning hot with the fire of God and never going backwards. Never going backwards. Yeah. You have to get rid of the sin and you have to get rid of the weight. And look at this. How do we do this? We do this, verse 2, by keeping our eyes on Jesus. I like the Amplified. He's got pulled up. Verse 2, it says, looking away from all that will distract us. Say all. Looking away from all that will distract us and focusing our eyes on Jesus who is the author and perfecter of our faith. What's the weight? I believe Apostle Paul wrote the book of Hebrews. Some, you know, some scholars say they're not sure. We'll just say the writer of the book of Hebrews. The weight that he was talking about that slows you down is anything that causes you to take your eyes off of Jesus Christ. So I want to kind of pull that back together with Romans, I'm sorry, uh, Acts chapter 2. This is what the Lord's been challenging me with. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank You, Lord. Hallelujah. Lord, just continue to fill this place. Don't let the Holy Ghost lift. Let us stay in the flow. Let us stay in the flow. Hallelujah. <laughs> oh, hallelujah. Lord, I feel Your presence. I feel Your Spirit churning in me, burning in me. Hallelujah. So let me kind of just define this even more. The early church 
Verse 42, all the believers devoted themselves. Say devoted. To the apostles' teaching. Let's start with that. What would be a weight that slows you down? Anything that causes you to not be able to give yourself to the apostles' teaching. Let's put it in this hypothetical situation. Say the revival, the wind of revival blows and the Lord said, we're having services like the book of Acts. We're gathering every day. Well, I can't. I can't do that. I, I have this responsibility. Hey, I can't do that. My daughter, my daughter does on Tuesday. She has dance class. So on Tuesdays, we can't, we can't come. We have dance class. Is dance class a sin? No. But if it hindered us from doing what the Word says, if it hindered us from, from following this model, then that's a weight that causes us to actually... It may not be sin. That's the thing, guys. That not everything is sin. Weight is something that just simply pulls you out of the flow of what the Lord is doing and, and puts you on a different path in a different direction. You know, say, say The Chosen, right? You like the, no, I'm saying hypothetically, you like the TV show The Chosen. Great TV show. On Tuesday nights, we have this thing. On Wednesday nights, we have this thing where we like to watch The Chosen, and, and so we don't make it to church. We don't make it to those things. That's a weight that, that, I mean, it's a good thing, but it's a weight that will slow you down. They all, say all the believers. I think that a lot of Christians would serve themselves well by learning this. You are not the exception to the Bible. I know the Bible talks about everyone, but you know, every, they have, people have this attitude like, I'm the exception to what God said. I'm going to tell you, it'll help you, and I say it because I love you, you're not the exception. I'm not the exception. We must humble ourselves before Almighty God. They devoted themselves not only to the apostles' teaching, but to fellowship. Hallelujah. Guys, can I tell you, what should you be doing when you're not at church? You need to be fellowshipping with other believers. Amen. And in fact, the Bible says to enjoy the companionship of those that call on the Lord with pure hearts. That's what me and my wife, since we cut stuff out of our life and we're not watching TV at home, we're not watching Facebook, we're not at home for hours and hours, we've kind of realized that in life there's actually a lot more time <laughs> that's freed up when you get rid of all that junk that's a weight. So it's like, what are we, we going to do with all this extra time that we have now? If we're not at church and we're not doing the ministry, we've made an effort, we're fellowshipping with other believers. Guys, I want to tell you a secret here, and I'm not trying to get Dr. Phil on you, but just listen to this. I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time on this. Learn how to set your life up right. If you're tired, sleep. Because can I be honest with you? Sitting around at your house wasting half a day scrolling on Facebook or whatever actually doesn't help you rest at all. Learn to rest well. Learn to put God first in what He said. If you're, if you're tired, 
Well, I couldn't go to church because, man, I, I was just really tired Wednesday. I was, I, I was tired. didn't feel like it. Can I tell you something? Put God first. Make time for the things of God. Push through your day. Rely on the grace of God to give you strength. And go home that night and go to bed and sleep. And then wake up not tired and go to work. Guys, I want to tell you, you know, the Lord gave six days for, for working and one day for rest. A lot of people say, I can't give myself over to these things because if I do, it seems like my days are just too full. Your day should be full six days of the week. And one day you need to learn how to rest really well. One day you say, I'm not, I'm not messing around. I'm going to sleep until I don't need to sleep anymore. And then I'm going to take my family and I'm going to go do something fun. I'm going to go enjoy myself. I'm going to go, but then the other six days, I'm going to wake up with a mindset that today is supposed to be a full day. Yeah. Well, I'm, I've worked till three or four and I'm, I'm tired and I, it's supposed to be a full day. From the moment you wake up to the moment you go to sleep, fill your life with the things of God and devote yourself to the things of God and realize that there's six days given for work and one day given for rest. Amen. Yeah. Hallelujah. The people don't know how to work well and they don't know how to rest well. So they get it all out of whack. And what do they end up doing? They end up working a little bit each day and resting a little bit each day. And, and, and the next thing you know, what do they really ever accomplish? They never really get anything done and they never really feel rested. <laughs> so when you're not giving yourself up, you need to devote yourself to fellowship with other believers. They devoted themselves. Where believers are gathering, you need to be. Y'all, I stood in this church, and pretty much everyone here was a part of small groups, but I stood in this church and, and fought, hey, get plugged into small groups, get plugged into small groups. And we still had people in our church for months never show up and get plugged into small groups. And I have to ask myself the question, what are you disconnecting? What else are you doing on Tuesday or Wednesday or Thursday? What else do you have to do? Because I want to tell you, you sitting at home by yourself doing this little lone wolf thing, it's not the pattern that God laid out for us in the Scripture. Whatever the heck you're doing, I'm not even going to say it's a sinful thing, but it's weights that actually pull your attention away from Jesus. Give yourself over to fellowship. Look at this, sharing and meals. You know believers should be sharing meals together. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If you don't like eating with people and, and uh, I'm telling you, that's not the Holy Spirit. I'm not kidding you. So we've had we probably ate dinner over at Brother James' house like three times this week. Every night, I swear, I'm getting a text. Hey, want to come over for dinner? Sure. I was at Walmart. And, uh, you know, we're actually going out of town with some family this next week. We'll, we'll still be back for service and everything um but you know we're like man we're at the walmart we're getting buying groceries groceries and i'm sitting here thinking we haven't had steaks in a while but i don't know maybe maybe not this grocery bill maybe we'll do that next time i wasn't trying to think with a slave mindset or anything i was just you know we had some stuff we had to do and so i didn't buy the steaks we get in the car we're driving back into town i get a text from james saying hey steaks at my house want to come over and eat i said hallelujah <laughs> I got the steak and didn't even have to buy it or make it or cook it. <laughs> you know, and I'll really tell you guys, 
your life will flow properly when you set these things up right. The blessing of the Lord. When you give yourself over to fellowship, you'll see God providing for you in greater ways. Well, you know, I'm really struggling. We're having a hard time buying groceries every week. Give yourself over to fellowship with believers, and I promise you, you'll probably have about five meals a week opened up and offered to you. Hallelujah, the Lord provided meals this week. If you make it, God knows how life works. They all devoted themselves to the apostle teaching, to fellowship, and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. And a deep sense of awe came over all of them. The apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. Guys, can I tell you, miracles pop like popcorn when there's hunger. Everybody just wants to show up to a man of God and think that they're going to put on a circus show for you or something. They did that to Jesus. Oh, you did all these miracles in Capernaum. Why don't you do them here? You know what he said? No, I won't. Because I'm not a circus bear. If you don't honor the Holy Ghost, you don't get any miracles. And you know, we put our eyes on people and that's I'm, I'm trying to pull all this together. We just have such a complacency for the things of God. No hunger for the things of God. That we really fill our lives with the things of the world and we give God whatever's left over. And then we think that we're going to show up living our life after that pattern and think that we're just going to see the, the signs, wonders, and miracles take place. No, the Holy Ghost moves where He's honored and He moves where there's hunger and He moves where there's thirst. Hallelujah. So when a church actually begins to look, a deep sense of awe came over. Think of the awe, the reverence, the respect. They gave themselves to these things every day. You know what this meant, guys? That these things came first and everything else came second in their life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You really want to win your family to the Lord? I'm telling you, raise your kids up in the house of God. I don't understand. I've, I see some of the kids that we have, and, and some of them are gone today, but they're on fire for Jesus. If you ever wanted a group of kids to get your kids plugged into, to catch the fire of God and get on a right path, here you go. It's right, there's an opportunity right now. Rescue your kids from hell. Don't, you know, I just don't understand. But guys, here's the reality. There's some parents, they're going to give an account to God for what they did with their children. I didn't, the Lord's going to sit there. Their kid goes to hell. Okay, that kid had a decision, but why did that kid go to hell? What, what made that kid not want to follow Jesus Christ? What made that kid not serve the Lord faithfully? There's going to be an parent that gives an account to the Lord. And I'm not talking about a repented of, because if you repent and you're humble, maybe you made mistakes in younger years or something like that. I want to tell you right now, the Lord will forgive you and He'll restore every situation. He'll bring your children home to you. He'll, 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 he'll make everything just line right back. He'll, he'll pick up right where you left off. He'll do that. I'm talking about in the sense of people that live in this backslidden condition and die and then stand before the Lord. 
Jesus said to a person that causes one of these little ones to stumble, it would be better that you had a millstone tied around your neck and thrown into the sea than to cause a child, one of the little ones, to fall away or to stumble. Well, I didn't bring my, my kids to the house of God because we were out at Chili's at the bar drinking till about you know, midnight and we didn't want to wake up to go to church. You will give an account to God for doing that. Yeah. And I want to tell you, that little shot at Chili's from the bar is not going to matter 17,000 years from now while we're in eternity. All the stupid things that the devil's deceived you with, that you fill your life with, will not matter one million years from now when we're in eternity. I don't think we realize that not only does what you do with this life determine where you spend eternity, but also how you, how you spend eternity. There's rewards in heaven. I don't think believers understand this. That Literally, Paul said, I don't just run the race. I'm not shadow boxing. I discipline myself like an athlete. I run to win the prize. And don't you realize only one can win, he said? Paul said, I'm not going for a fifth place trophy in heaven. I'm going for a first place in heaven. So why was it easy for him to, to take stripes? Why was it easy for him to be be, beaten with rods? Why was it easy for him to be thrown into prison as we talked about Wednesday night and yet at the midnight hour he's in prison singing hymns and songs to the Lord and then the Lord busts him out of prison? Why was it easy for Paul to do that? Because he ran to receive the prize. God, I mean, I put that in perspective. Think about the, the useless things we fill our lives with. They won't matter when we stand in, in before the Lord. They won't matter in eternity. So there was a deep sense of awe because of their reverence and respect. And what was the product? Where thousands of people began to literally honor the Lord and have this deep sense of awe. Many, the apostles performed many miracles, signs, and wonders. Look at this. All the believers met together in one place. Wow. What? Believers met together in one place? Wait, I can be a Christian at home, right? I don't have to go to church to be a Christian. I don't have to go to church to be a follower of Jesus. Where is that in the Bible? Where is that in the book of Acts? Stop saying stuff to justify sin in your life. Stop saying stuff to justify something that the Holy Ghost has tugged on you to do, but you have refused to do because of insecurity. Well, I don't, I don't, I'm not really good at... You know, really, the, the problem is most people are insecure. Well, I'm not really good around people. And so actually, instead of letting the Holy Ghost just like blast that thing out of me with the fire... I'm just going to try to find the Word and justify something that I'm doing. Well, I don't actually have to go to church to be a Christian. Or a lot of people because of sin in their life that they're afraid to be exposed. Guys, there's a lot of people. When I was a kid, the devil that was inside of me knew when there was a really anointed person present. You understand? James knows what I'm talking about. There were services that I went to pretty much all the time that I mean, I just, well, whatever, this is fine. But there, I remember there was a few times that my parents, 
and us went to some special things that when I got in the presence of the anointing, it scared me. Because I thought, this prophet's going to tell my mom and dad everything that I've been doing. <laughs> They're going to call me out and read my mail in front of everyone. I, I mean, it was like this. And it was, I don't even know how I knew that. It was just like the, the devil on the inside of me knew that. That spirit that I was holding on to knew that. So there's a lot of people that the fire, it, it literally, it will push out. When the fire of God fills the church, there will be people that leave because... The devil in them is afraid of being exposed. Yeah. Hallelujah. And so, they, shared, they met together in one place. So I was saying that, the reason I was giving you that spill is because there's people that, again, they'll just justify something. Well, you don't have to be a Christian. To, or you don't have to go to church to be a Christian. Not in the Bible. What is being a Christian? What is being a Christian? It's not some American religion that we made up that somebody just made the rules for and that we all kind of understand these rules. And you know, No. Being a Christian is a follower of Jesus. You adhere to the Word of God. This is our bylaws. This is how we operate. This is what we're bound to. This is, our this is our government. This is what we do and what we don't do. I don't understand. I'm tired of hearing, I don't have to be a Christian. I can still be a Christian and do that. No, you can't. No, you can't. Being a Christian means being like Christ. Christ didn't sit at home and watch American Horror Stories or some junk on Netflix while the church was gathering. They all gathered together in one place and they shared everything that they had. You can't be a Christian and be stingy. Hey brother, i got to move some trash and you have a tractor. Could, could, I, could we borrow it? Well, I, I just don't know about that. You're not a Christian. You don't act like one if you are. They shared everything that they had. When are we going to realize that nothing that we own belongs to us? Nothing that we own belongs to us. Brother Tanner called me yesterday and said, hey, we have all this sound equipment laying around and I want to do more things with my stream. Can I use it? And I said, you don't even have to ask me. Yes. He said, well, I ask you because I want to honor you. You know, I'm not just going to take things. Everything that we have. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Say, I'm the owner of nothing. I'm the, owner of nothing. the steward of everything. Look what they did. They sold their properties and possessions and they shared their money with, the, with those in need. They worshiped together in the temple. How often? Each day. Every day. Yeah. Well, my life isn't really set up to do that. Put your faith out to change your life. Well, I have a job. If we were to start going into revival and the Holy Ghost was moving and we were gathering every night, as my job really would, would prevent me from doing that. Put your faith out. Put your faith out. God will literally meet your faith. I'm telling you, put your faith out to come into alignment with this. God, this is the reality about it. God is very interested in His Word being adhered to. He's actually extremely interested. And when a person... 
from even a genuine place would come and say, Lord, this is what life is right now. This is what, what this looks like. But I, I see what your word says, and I want to come into alignment with what you have prescribed in your word. I'm telling you, put your faith out and watch miracles take place and watch them happen very fast. They met together each day. They met in, in homes for the Lord's Supper, and they shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all while praising God and enjoying the good will of all the people. And each day, say each day, each day, the Lord added to their fellowship those that were being saved. You know what happens when us as Christians, all of us, say all. all. Guys, can I, can I tell you again, this wasn't just Peter that was doing this. Right. wasn't the 12 or the 120 that were doing this. All 3,000 that got saved devoted themselves to this. You know what happened? Each day their fellowship grew. You know what will happen when the church comes into alignment with the Word, with the Book of Acts style church? This church will be full. This church will be full of people. I'm going to give this word, and I didn't preach anything that I was planning on preaching today. But Romans 12, I'm going to give this word the Lord told me. I've been telling you all morning we're going to read from Romans 12. I don't think we've turned there yet. Dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you, give your bodies to God because all He has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind He will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship Him. Hallelujah. Give yourself over as an offering to the Lord. This is truly the way to worship Him. Guys, I love singing. I love praising. The Lord loves it. There's an anointing to do this. But this is not really New Testament praise and worship. We sing unto the Lord. We praise. We, ja- we rejoice. We, we, we do all of those things. This is truly the way to worship Him. Give your lives, give your bodies over to the Lord as a living sacrifice, the kind that He will find pleasing and acceptable. We don't need any more people in our generation that have amazing, beautiful voices and they're so gifted and they can do YouTube videos of singing their little hearts away, but, but then they live like total hell. Yeah, come on. I'm anointed to worship. Really? Because the true anointing to worship to me when I read the New Testament looks like holiness. Yeah. A holy life. Yeah. Where everything that I do is as an offering unto the Lord. Everything that I spend my time doing, what I give myself to, what I listen to, what I watch, what I join myself in. You know, I'll give you this little side thing that I didn't talk about, but I will mention in in fellowship. Say fellowship. fellowship. You know, the Bible says, enjoy the company, the companionship of those that call on the Lord with pure hearts. You know, the Bible also says that light can't fellowship with darkness. You say, well, Jesus hung out with sinners. Well, let me just say this. Number one, everyone was a sinner. No one was saved. Actually, before Jesus went to the cross, everyone was going to hell. 
If they weren't, then He wouldn't have had to go to the cross to begin with. If there was a way to get to heaven without having to send His one and only Son to die on that cross, I promise you God would have, <laughs> would have allowed us to, to do some other way. But there was no other way. So, and I don't need to get into all of that right now, but Jesus ate with sinners. But it was the type of sinner that Jesus ate with. Sick people that knew they needed a doctor. Because you know who the true sinners were? The Pharisees and the Sadducees. Because the light that they actually thought they had wasn't light, it was darkness. And how deep the darkness was because they saw no need for repentance. They refused John's baptism. They refused the prophet. They denied Christ. In fact, they formed a mob to have Him killed and crucified. Jesus didn't hang out with them. He hung out with people that, yes, they may have been broken, but He set them free. They were hungry. They were thirsty. They, were in, they knew that they needed a Savior and they needed grace. Don't use that verse to justify hanging out with a bunch of people that have zero interest in the things of God. Well, Jesus hung out with sinners. Yeah, Jesus totally went into the house of people that said, Screw you. We want nothing to do with you. We want nothing to do with the Holy Ghost. We're not interested in you. Leave. Oh, no. Well, let's just hang out and play games for a little bit. He didn't do stuff like that. In fact, in his own hometown, he was not honored or accepted. And he left. And he told his same disciples, if you go to a town and they reject you, dust the dust off of your feet and go to the next town. You need to understand, don't use that to justify hanging out with a bunch of people that aren't interested in the things of God. You want to talk about an open door and a distraction the devil will use? Don't do that. Say, you've been family. You know, the Bible talks about that. Well, what do you mean? You know, because we were at Thanksgiving, we're coming up on Christmas, but that's my family. Jesus said, you must forsake even your mother and your father, your brother, your sister. You think that I came to bring peace, but he said, I actually came to bring a sword, dividing household against each other. What was he talking about? Because there would be people that followed him, but yet their family hated him. There would be people that get radically saved and touched by the ministry of Jesus Christ that leave everything to follow Him, but their family stays back and hates Him, wants nothing to do with Him. He says, there has to be division between you two. In fact, the New Testament teaches that light cannot fellowship with darkness. Actually, the Bible called... In the book of James, he said, you adulterers, you cannot be a friend of the world and a friend of God at the same time. So in Romans 12, it says, give your bodies to God because all he's done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind you'll find acceptable. Put it up in the New King James, verse 1. Do we have it? I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. 
I love that. It, Paul, Paul never played games with people. This is reason, for you to give everything to God is the only reasonable thing to do, considering what He did for us. That's why the NLT uses the words that says, think about all because of all He's done for you. Paul, Paul, Paul wasn't down with this mindset. Let, every, let, let, them, let Him just give everything and you give nothing back in return. You know, there's churches that do that same thing. Well, I'll come to the church and I'll, I'll sit and partake of the ministry and let them bless me and let them feed me and let them cater to me because I'm in this chair. I ain't going to give a tithe. I ain't going to give anything. You know, that mindset is so demonic and not from God. Consider all that Christ has done for you. This is your reasonable service. Jesus gave His life for us. We live for Him. We give everything to follow Him. And not in the 2021 kind of way, in the 2,000 years ago, Middle Eastern kind of way. <laughs> Radically followers of, followers of Christ. Radical followers of Christ. And then he says this, don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world. I'll have you put both up, the New King James and NLT, but let me read NLT first. Don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world. Listen, church, don't copy the behaviors of this world. That means as Christians, we're not supposed to look like what the world looks like. The behaviors. We're not supposed to act the way the world acts. We're not supposed to do what the world does. You know, the Lord began to convict me even about the social media and was like, Lord, what really separates us besides our little gathering meetings that we do on Sundays when whenever everybody goes home, we're all doing the same thing. When we go home, we're all spending our time the same way that the world spends their time. We're all filling ourselves with the same things that the world fills themselves with. Don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world. But let God transform you into a new person by changing the way that you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good, pleasing, and perfect. Say then. Does then mean before or after? After. This is, it. well, I just really struggle, Brother John. I don't really know what God's will for me is. I don't know what job He's called me to. I don't know what ministry He's called me to. I don't know what place He's called me to. Let me tell you, first, stop filling yourself with the things of the world. Let God renew your mind. How does God renew your mind? Through the Word of God and changing the way that you think. Then, after you have set yourself apart and given yourself, devoted yourself, just like the early church, to the things of God, and allowed your mind to be renewed by the Holy Ghost and the Word of God, then you will come to know God's will for you, which is good, pleasing, and perfect. Hallelujah. Y'all, we need to get way more radical. Maybe some of our families don't love coming to church with us because they see a person outside of church that is very normal and then they come to a church service that's very not normal. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, the person I've been talking to all week is actually pretty level-headed, pretty normal, pretty basic type person. And they took me to that service with them. And my God, that was just, I don't know about that. That was pretty out of the box. That was pretty weird. And the, the, the word the Lord gave me before the whole service started, you need to get more radical. 
You need to get more radical. You need to get the fire of God. You're a part of this church. Let me say this. Your life is a reflection of this church. Let, if you're going to invite people to this church, let them get a good foretaste of what they're stepping into all week long before they come through you. I don't, you know, they're like, I don't know if I like your church. Well, do you like me? Well, yeah. Well, then you'll like my church. I don't know if I like your church. Do you like me? Well, I don't know. Well, yeah, you probably won't like my church. Then. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Father, this was not my word this morning. This was your word. As I stood up here to, to preach, the, the Holy Ghost just gave me the passages and the things that I should say. So Lord, let, let them just penetrate the hearts of every person. Let them receive them today. Let it make crooked paths straight today in Jesus' name. I prophesy that. Just as John the Baptist came and it says his ministry was to make the rough edges smooth and the crooked path straight. I pray that that's what was accomplished in the Spirit this morning. That the crooked path in this church and in lives was straightened. That the rough edges was made smooth by the Word of God, by the washing of the Word. Lord, even as people came in here this morning and we've been going for, for a couple hours now, that they've just sat in the anointing and allowed the river of living water just to wash over them, refresh them, cleanse them. Lord, You've sown seed into their heart this morning. That if they will tend to that seed and not allow the devil to snatch it, not allow it to fall into shallow soil, and not allow the cares of this world to choke it out, that seed will go forth and produce 30, 60, and 100 times the Word that You gave this morning. Father, I thank You that in the Word You gave this morning, there is prosperity for life. Yes. Hallelujah. Lord, thank You that somebody received destiny this morning. Hallelujah. Purpose this morning. Things that come from heaven, they receive that they'll eat the fruit from for years to come. And even their children will eat the fruit from. From the Word that was planted this morning, the seed, and it will go forth and produce 30, 60, 100 times what was sown. In the mighty name of Jesus, we honor you, Holy Ghost. We honor you, Holy Ghost. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Shiti oro satare de, shidarare sakoronare. Lord, let fresh fire fall from heaven upon each person that's here. If they're hungry, if they're hungry, if they're hungry. Lord, we know that Your Spirit won't just sweep through here like a demon and possess anybody that's not interested. If they're hungry and they're thirsty, they shall be filled. Stand up. In Jesus' name. A fresh fire from heaven right now. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. In the mighty name of Jesus. <laughs> Hallelujah. 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 <laughs> oh, thank you, Lord. I prophesy over you, Bryston. The Lord is calling you into your ministry sooner than you think. Sooner than you think, you'll step into your ministry. The Lord says right now, 
The Lord says right now, He is training you. He is preparing you. He's giving you everything that you need. Do not doubt the gift that He's placed on the inside of you. It will only intensify as you make room for Him. As you learn to honor the Holy Ghost, it will only burn hotter and brighter and stronger. It will only burn hotter, brighter, and stronger. That the signs and wonders of the Holy Ghost will mark your ministry. That people won't be persuaded by clever speech. They won't be persuaded by some mighty performance that, that tickles their ears. Lord, the Lord says that you'll present a simple message of the gospel, but yet as faith arises in people, they shall be healed. They shall be touched. They shall be baptized in the Holy Ghost. As you learn to rely on God, the Lord says right now you need to learn to rely on Him. And in your weakness, His strength will be made perfect. And in your humility, you'll see the Holy Ghost do mighty things through your life. And your obedience... And it doesn't matter what the Lord tells you to do. You don't have to put a show on for people. The Lord says, just simply trust me and rely on me and believe me to do it. And I'll touch them. I'll touch them through your faith and through your obedience, the Lord says. Hallelujah. 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 The Lord put it in your spirit. You know, I'm going to ask Brother James come up. We're going to take up the offering. I'm going to close the service out this morning. I just want to think about this. This last thing I'm going to say to you. I was listening to some ministry last night. They were talking about Israel. They were talking about some of the prophecies in regards to Israel. And You know, I'm never one that, that likes to put time stamps on things, but it just put it in perspective. This mighty minister was saying... That he really believes. Uh, some of the things Jesus said is, he sent his disciples out and he said, go. And basically, as you're persecuted, travel to, to all the cities of Israel. And, and before you can travel to all of them, I will return. And so he was talking about how there was a bump in the road in 70 AD. Basically, they came in and, and their Jerusalem was destroyed. The temple was destroyed. And so you kind of had this halt. This, this silence, this break, where, where for hundreds and thousands of years, almost a couple thousand years, there was this silence. But in 1948, Israel was reborn. It was born as a nation. That the, the fig tree that had been chopped down began to blossom once again. And ever since then, now, he said this statement that was, it was amazing. He said, recently, we've been seeing for the first time in 2,000 years, Jews preaching the gospel to other Jews. He said it was always Gentiles coming in. It was always, you know, for the longest time, the Jewish people, they hated, they, they, hated, they rejected the Gentiles because the Gentiles tried to kill the Jews. And so, for the first time since the early church walked the streets of Israel, you have Jews preaching Jesus as the Messiah to other Jews. And they're getting saved by the multitudes. You know, that, that there's already been estimated in the last year, one million Jews hear the gospel of Jesus Christ in Israel. Right now, there's five million Jews in Israel. 
So he was just thinking of how fast this is spreading and how for the first time it was never able to actually happen in history because they didn't have Facebook, they didn't have other things. And so when that temple was destroyed and then the Jews were just scattered, that they weren't all able to hear the message of the gospel. But for the first time in history, they, that there's, there's more Jews right now in Israel than there ever was in history before. And they're hearing the gospel. And, and he said probably five to ten years. They'll have heard the gospel. And he talked about the return of Jesus Christ. He said, it's sooner than you think. It's sooner than you think. He said, we're not in the last days. You can say last days because, you know, the Bible uses that term in Acts 2. We entered into the last dispensation of time, the last days. He said, but we're not in the last days. We're in the last minutes, the last hours. We don't know how many hours we have left. But I was just thinking that in perspective, guys, the things that we store up. Jesus said, don't store up your treasures on earth, but in heaven. There's so many people that are planning for a future 15 years, 20 years, 30 years from now. And I'm not telling you we won't be here. I don't know. No man knows the hour or day. But I'm just saying, think about this. Think about spending your whole life just storing up treasures on the earth, planning this future. And then in one moment, Jesus Christ returns. And it was all for nothing. Just all didn't even matter. Think about that. I've been thinking about that. I've been thinking about my house. You know, and I believe God to give me a bigger house and a nicer house. We have more kids. We want more kids. We're like, well, Lord, we kind of ran out of room. We need more space. You know, yeah, bunk beds. Yeah. I mean, but it's, I'm just telling you, we, we the same thing. We have things that need to be fixed and done at our house. And I just, but I just have this reality like, Lord, I'll, I'll believe you and I'll trust you. And I believe you'll add that to us and I'll let you do it. But I'm just not going to pursue after that because woe to me to take the next 10 or 15 years of my life and pursue after a house or, you know, store up my treasure on this earth. And then you return in an instant and not even matter anyways. And so I just thought about where I put my treasure. Where do I put my treasure? Like, Lord, I'd rather just live by faith. And I told we were laughing. I said, man, we, we could believe God for another thousand, two thousand, three thousand dollars a month, whatever you want to say. I said, but it wouldn't matter because if we did, we'd probably just find people to give it all away to. And, and, and then I'd have to be believing God for more because now I'm strapped down because I'm giving it, giving it out to other ministries all month anyway. So... But God gives bread for the eater and seed to the sower. He'll give you seed to sow and bread to eat. Hallelujah. I want you to think about that. Put your life in God's hands. Even if, even if we're still here 20 years from now. Trust God with your life. Trust God with your retirement. Don't build your life. Think, well, I'll give God the minimal. No, I want, guys, we need to become radical sowers into the kingdom. Radical sowers into the kingdom. The righteous live by faith. Can I tell you something right now? That if it's not taking faith for you to live month to month, then, then you need to do something more than what you're doing. If you were comfortable enough to say, it actually doesn't take me any faith to pay my bills. It doesn't take me any faith to do anything that I'm doing. I've built my life up where i got a system and I just kind of ride by. And I want to tell you, it's time to increase what you're doing then and believe God for more. Yeah. And to step out in faith and put, and put a demand on that increase. Yes. That's what the Lord told me. He said, you should never, even in this ministry, you should never arrive at a comfortable place. Amen. 
He said, because think about what do you need met? You know, if we needed $20,000 a month to come into this church in the future for us to do all the stuff that we're, we're going to do even in 2022. He said, that would only hold you for temporarily. Because the second that you stop needing faith, you're not righteous living by faith anymore. Depending and trusting God for our bread. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Put your life in God's hands. Put your future in the hands of God. So we're going to take up our tithes. Put the ways you can give on the screen. You know, if you've worked this month, you've worked this, this, this week, you've worked the last couple of weeks, you can honor the Lord with your tenth. You know, that's a biblical principle. Jacob initiated, I'm sorry, Abraham initiated. Jacob did the same thing. I've heard many great teaching. Robin Bullock recently, Miss Kim, was talking about how Noah was a tither, and he showed how all these people were tithers. It was powerful. But, you know, the principle behind it was they, they gave honor to the Lord, and they, they understood, Lord, you know, if they, if they went out and planted 20 fields and harvested 20 fields worth of crops, they would take two of those fields and give it to the Lord and say, we recognize that you gave us the 20, so we're going to honor you by giving you the two. A tenth of everything that came into their hand. So if that's you, I want to press you to honor the Lord. If you're watching online, you can do this as well. Or, guys, I want to also... It's so you always have to listen because again, don't ever do things religiously. Well, I give my tithe. Open up your heart also to the Lord to speak to you about giving offerings above your tithe. And I'm telling you, I'm not trying to tell you to get anything from you. I'm telling you to just a way of living. God gives seed to the sower. Hallelujah. So when you become a sower, God gives you seed. And so I want you to open up your, your heart to the Holy Ghost. And if he says no, then praise the Lord. Not today. But what if he didn't? What if the Holy Ghost was saying, actually, I want you to lose something. Actually, I want you to be a blessing. Actually, I want you to, you know, I want you to give. I want you to contribute. I want you to give something out of honor. I want you to give something in faith because you're believing for, for something that I'm going to bring back to you. Whatever that is, ask the Holy Ghost if that's you this morning. Let's just take our offerings. Let's pray and give them up to the Lord. Hallelujah. Father, we give you all praise, honor, and glory in Jesus' name. Oh, thank you, Holy Ghost. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. I just want to stop for a minute and listen to him. Thank you, Lord. Lord, we worship you with our increase. We worship you with what you've given to us. And Lord, we stand on Your Word. We know that Your Word says that as we praise You, and that's what we do this morning, we honor You with this gift. We give You thanks with this gift. We give You recognition with this gift. And as we praise You, the Word says that the earth shall yield her harvest, or the earth shall yield her increase. We thank You for it, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. I want you to just tell the Lord, say, You have permission to everything that I have. Tell the Lord, say, I'm the owner of nothing. I'm only the steward of what you've given me. Say, Lord, you point your finger and I'll be obedient. Say, Lord, you give the word and I'll carry out the command. In Jesus' name.
Go ahead, James, take up that offering. The last thing I'm going to do before I release you is I challenged you last week. I'm going to challenge you one more time if you're in here. You know, God's been doing an amazing work among us. And we've been prophesying for, if you have your gift, just lift it up so he won't have to guess. Uh, We've been prophesying that the Lord was going to begin to raise up people in this house. And, and, And the Lord told us, you know, that this would be a house where he would raise up not just Christians that are full of the power of the Holy Ghost, but fivefold ministry that God was going to appoint people to the ministry in this house. Uh, and so we've been believing the Lord, not just for pastors and teachers, because we have a plethora of that. And that's a great gift. But we've been believing God to see the other gifts restored. We've been believing God to raise up in a biblical house, a prophet, an evangelist, a pastor, an apostle. And God's begun to do that. Uh, we've had a brother, Brother Tanner here, step out and receive that call from the Lord where Jesus has appointed him, and we've confirmed, Jesus has appointed him as an evangelist. Hallelujah. He is an evangelist to the body of Christ. And, and guys, that's not something that just it's thrown around lightly or easily. That's something that Jesus, not man, has appointed. And, and Brother Tanner's responded to that call. Uh, what's so amazing is because of the work that the Lord's doing, Brother Tanner and, and, and Bree, they're going to be going out and, and administering in other places as well as like an evangelist would, but they've really submitted that office and that gift to this church, to helping us as an evangelist, going out, reaping the harvest that's in our communities and bringing them back to be discipled in the house of God. Yeah. Hallelujah. And so I want to—I put this issue out. The Lord told me, and it was amazing because the Lord was speaking simultaneously to Brother Tanner as well. But the Lord told me that we as a church need to sow into this ministry. When I mean we as a church, I don't mean, okay, you know, Pastor John will write a a check from the church. No, the Lord showed me specifically that there's a a base salary for this ministry that we're going to try to provide for Brother Tanner of $1,600. To get them started. Uh, and the Lord told me that it needed to come from the people, not from the church. It needed to come from the people sowing, not from the church. So, I don't know how that works, but this was a word from the Lord. I don't know if that's one person that says I could cover that expense myself every month. I don't know if that's two people that said we could split that up two ways, 800 apiece and cover that every month. It could be four people that say we could do 400 a month. It could be eight people that say we could do 200 a month. But I want to repeat myself. This is not a one-time gift. This is a pledge of saying I will stand with you monthly and send you out while I'm at work fulfilling my call. Amen? You say, I'm called to the business. I've been called to make money. Well, I want to tell you, now's the time that you put your gift to work and you get purpose behind it and say, while I'm at work doing the thing that God's called me to do, I believe that you're going to be in my place operating from our church, out winning souls and bringing them into the church to be discipled. Amen. 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 When the church begins to operate in that way, Hallelujah. And basically what you're doing is saying, look, I believe that Jesus has appointed you for this task. And I believe that Jesus has appointed me for this task. So I'm going to use what Jesus has given me in the past and the task that he's appointed me to. And I'm going to make it possible for you to do what the Lord's called you to do. We'll work together. There'll be unity in the body and the church shall see increase in Jesus name. Hallelujah. So if you want to vouch to give to Brother Tanner's ministry, uh, 
I guess we need, I need to get with him. Yeah, the ways that you can give are on the screen. But come up and make a commitment with him and talk to him and, and, and he can communicate what that looks like. If you want to give, you can go ahead and sign up to do that on the screens. Amen. Y'all are being quiet now. I'm telling you, this came straight from the Holy Ghost. So this is a word from the Lord that must be received among the people. And I'm going to keep kind of hitting the nail on the head for a few weeks. Well, Lord, we honor you and we praise you. We love you so much. You are wonderful. You're magnificent, Jesus. Jesus, you have all of our time, not just two hours of our time. You have all of our time. We love you. Nothing's more important than being in your house this morning. And nothing's more important than being in your presence, Lord, and receiving from what you're doing here this morning. Hallelujah. We glorify you, Lord. Hallelujah. Lord, thank you that as this morning, as we've entered in, that we don't enter out. We keep our eyes on you. We run our race now by keeping our eyes on you, Jesus, removing weights and sin that distract us and try to pull us out of the flow of the anointing. We're going to walk in the Spirit today as we leave. In the mighty name of Jesus. Everybody said, Amen. Amen. Love you guys. God bless you. See you Wednesday night. Thank you so much for tuning in with me as I shared the Word of God. If you would like to become more than just a casual listener and want to give to our ministry, you can do so in the following ways. For credit or debit, go to www.nbchuntington.org donate. For PayPal, you can send it to NBC Huntington. For Cash App, use dollar sign capital NBCHTX20. Thank you so much. I pray God blesses you abundantly. Until next time, this is John Wallace.